Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ben Ashton, founder of the Digital Project Manager. Welcome to the DPM podcast. We're on a mission to help project managers succeed, to help people who manage projects deliver better. We're here to help you take your project game to the next level. Check out the digitalprojectmanager.com to learn about our training and resources we offer through membership. This podcast is brought to you by Clarison, the leader in enterprise project and portfolio management software. Visit clarison.com to learn more. This podcast is brought to you by Eggplant. Eggplant help businesses to test, monitor, and analyze their end-to-end customer experience and continuously improve their business outcomes. So do you ever find yourself stuck in a cycle of responding to RFPs, of creating custom quotes, new business suck up all your time? Well, what you need to do to help you in this is an effective system, an effective sales system. So if you want to save time, if you want to help your new business team and develop your agency sales, keep listening to today's podcast to learn how to develop a proper agency sales system. Today, I'm joined by Lee Goff, and Lee's a former agency owner, and now he's turned agency coach. Hey, Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. And I want to just start by digging into your story a bit. How did you go from starting an agency to owning an agency to becoming a coach? What does that process look like? Uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of time. So, um, But it all started in 2000. I uh, wound up getting a job with a technical company. Um, at the time, it was just an internet app. Now it's a cloud. Now it would be a cloud-based app, but uh, for restaurants like Chick-fil-A and Burger King and things like that. And so that's kind of how I cut my teeth in technology. And then <clears throat> I moved on and became an executive in another company in uh, Oklahoma City. And we hired a company to build us out a web app for our clients. And this 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 company basically did some illegal activity. It, it, it attempted to extort money out of us. Uh, it wrote an app, and then it would after people would log in, it would count down. And after it count down, if we didn't pay them, then we then it would shut off. Right? Uh, obviously, highly illegal. So the CEO got a hold of them with the with the with an attorney, and then uh, they 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 cleaned up their act pretty quickly. But in the process, we needed somebody to finish that project, and so. Uh, I told the CEO, I was like, give it to me. He's like, you can't write any code. I was like, I know, but I know what it takes to get it done. And so I went out and got the people to come in and do it. And that's it. That's how it started. And that was in March of 2003. Uh, that was the very first contract. I had no idea I was going to be owning a digital agency at that time. Uh, it was just kind of a, an accident. I, uh, you know, I think a lot of people out there can kind of relate to that. Then jump ahead five years. In 2008, the financial situation hits. Up until then, we had been doing more custom programming, website, kind of higher-end stuff. I found myself being miserable. I am not a programmer. And so I uh, gutted the entire company in the first um, first quarter of 2009 and turned it into a very high-end uh, marketing, digital marketing agency. And it just took off from there. Uh, I retired, you know, break the seven-figure mark and within a couple of years from that, two or three years from that. I uh, retired from that agency uh, at the age of 40. Uh, so I pretty much was on auto, my agency was on autopilot. I was what's called running it by the numbers, KPIs, and had my leadership team in place. And then I decided to exit that in June of 2016. From there, I uh, took some time off, spent some time with my family. I had some health issues, got my health back in order, and uh, dove headfirst into creating the world's most comprehensive with the most tools and the most bite-sized uh 
uh, what I call micro content uh, chunks you can get out there for building an agency, making it easier on you guys and girls out there. Cool. And so just so to give it some context, so you were able to take your agency to a place where you're, as you call it, running it by the numbers. And what kind of, so what kind of agency was it? You talked about it being a marketing agency, but what were the kind of things that you were delivering for clients or what was the kind of work that you were doing? Uh, how are you able to build a seven-figure agency? We niched out into what's called a platform, and that's Infusionsoft, now Keep. And so we became the world's largest, at that time, I'm, I'm thinking it still, I think it still is the world's largest Infusionsoft uh, partner, right? Certified partner, where we did more uh, implementations out there than any other agency on the planet. And so that's it. You know, we built out very complex and also very simple uh, just marketing automation. Uh, one example is a LASIK, LASIK company up actually in Vancouver, up, 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 up towards you. Um, King LASIK, you might have heard of them up that way. And, uh, uh, you know, they hired us to do what's called a pre-op and post-op. And so we would build out all the automated systems where with all the tags, if people came in and did this, it would do this. If it did this, it would do this. And that decreased their no-shows. Um, as you know, for LASIK, you have to go in and get exam. I think like 25 or 30%, it doesn't qualify or for or whatever. <clears throat> so you have to find out if you qualify. And they were having a major problem with their very expensive doctors sitting there idle for like a half a day uh, on these days that they would do this. And so we would build out systems that, that, that basically it didn't eliminate no-shows, but it, you know, it, it got rid of probably 80 to 90% of them. Uh, we would do landing pages, websites, anything digital asset related. We didn't really get into the media buying traffic side. It was more just the infrastructure side. Cool. And so I mean, we're going to dig into the sales system and the sales process. But in terms of the delivery process as well, because that's that's kind of part of automating everything or not automating it, but at least creating a process for it and making it so that you can deliver it efficiently, which is the key, I think. So that is definitely the key. So. And so how did you, I mean, I'm guessing, how did you build out that process to begin with? And how did you begin to optimize the process over time so that you began to deliver things more efficiently? How did you, how did you go about that? Well, in the first few years of running my agency, I took a little bit of a different approach. And a lot of people are out there trying to find the really good technical people or the really good copywriters or the really good, you know, the, the, the skill, what I call skill set people. Uh, me, I was on a mission to find my leadership team. I was on a mission to find the person that's going to run sales without me being involved. I was on a mission to find my operations manager. I was on a mission to find my one really good technical person that would dictate and oversee all technical uh, advice and engineering like that. But, but you know, uh, he, that was, that was the one person that oversaw the technical. I didn't have to worry about that. So with me taking that, a different approach, um, you know, this came out of traditional business, uh, uh, you know, get people around you that are smarter than you, right. You know, that kind of traditional business building mentality. So again, me not, me coming into the industry with not a technical background. I didn't look at this like a, like a technical, uh, like a technical job kind of thing. I looked at it as like a business and I built that business and I, I aggressively went out to get the right kind of leaders and put them in place <clears throat> and to, to help me with my weaknesses. Okay. And so that's exactly what I did. I got the people in place and we started building out the systems and processes. We remained focused on the Infusionsoft niche and automation, marketing automation, uh, uh, specific like service niche. And by doing that, it allowed us to partner with people that would have product lines like a, one for a real estate automation package or a CrossFit automation package. 
And so having a product like that would allow us to standardize it. We can do very precise SOPs. And so by, by providing a product line like that, it allowed us to standardize everything. And then from there, we actually figured out, okay, great. We can actually do this with our services as well, right? So just our traditional services. And so we went down that path and we um, got into very precise employee uh, optimization algorithms, KPIs, time tracking, what's called your daily huddles, your, I'm sorry, tailgating, daily downloads, your, your company meeting rhythm. And I dove headfirst into leadership and let them handle the systems and processes and developments on that. So uh, each department has its own unique, uh, different processes that they would do. And then those would boil up, uh, bubble up to the top through KPIs to to my level and I'll review and kind of make sure uh, that the quality remained where I wanted it to be. So, so th- I think this is quite an interesting story in terms of like building an agency because most people who start an agency start because they love the creative or they love the technical. Um, there's, there's normally one of those, I, I'd say it's, it's normally one of those people or even a project manager who's decided that, hey, they know how to run projects. So it's interesting to me that you yeah, started this thinking of this more like a business and getting the people in place. So I'm curious of a couple of things. Firstly, getting those kind of key hires. Those are expensive people to hire traditionally or typically. So I'm curious at how you're able to afford that. And then secondly, I guess my question is, how did you kind of, where did you get your inspiration from to build out uh, the agency kind of model like that? Because I think it is quite different to the way that most agencies, I would say, start, which is a couple of people get together who are really good at what they do and start trying to hustle on the side or um, start trying to win their first clients. But this seems like you approached it from much more of a business perspective than a typical agency perspective. Yeah, that's, that's actually, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I did. And, and honestly, I think my naivety is what made me do that. Uh, I was raised, uh, my grandfather, my, my father were entrepreneurs. And so I was immersed in, in entrepreneurial uh, lifestyle, uh, quality of life, you know, type of lifestyle. Gosh, you know, since the age of being born, I guess, you know, literally like one. I mean, I was going to run into my dad's office and helping him take out the trash and, you know, that, that whole thing. And so I knew that I would be a business owner. I just didn't know what type of business it would be. And when I saw the unethical and, and lack of integrity type of actions that were pervasive in our industry, they're still bad, but they were not as bad as they were then. I mean, there were a lot of people out there just taking a lot of money from a lot of people. And honestly, it pissed me off. And actually, right here over my shoulder, right there, you see a painting. My mom's an artist. And if you see that painting, you'll see to the left, it has like a purse, a little red thing that's kind of blurred right below the old logo. That's a purse. And that's like small t- small business. That's small town USA, small business. And over to the right, you can't read it, but it has like Wall Street Journal and like, you know, U.S. World Bank. And that's like big business. That's, that's like the big business. And so my purpose was to level the playing field between big business and small business. That's what drove me. That's what inspired me. I, honestly, I was pissed off that other small, traditional small business owners were getting ripped off. And I was hell bent on fixing that. And so uh, that is exactly what propelled me forward. And by taking that very business approach, it really made all the difference in the world. Uh, one part of that question was, how could I afford to get the talent? Well, uh, I am, I'm, I'm a sales, everybody has a, you know, I'm a business, I'm a CEO guy, don't get me wrong, but 
everybody's got a natural personality that, that leans into whether it be programming, creative, technical, sales, detail oriented, you know, whatever it might be. Um, mine is relationships and negotiations. And so I basically kissed a lot of frogs until I could find the ones that, I, that fit what I wanted to get done. Ironically, two of them came straight out of college. Uh, I got them for really, really cheap. And uh, I, I told all of them that you stick with me and you help me grow this thing. I will award you some sweat equity down the road. And I did. I did. I awarded all, all the people who did. I awarded sweat equity. They are also the people who eventually bought me out. So they, 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 they are running it. These three people I'm talking about, are, that's who's the owner. They run it 100% own it and uh, they're running it now. And so uh, it didn't, if you have a strong vision and you believe in where you're going to go and you live and die that vision every single day, you'd be surprised the quality of talent you can get on board with you because they feel it too. They see it and they want to be a part of it. Um, and so the sales guy that came on had a lot more experience. That guy was a $120,000 a year guy. I couldn't afford a $120,000 a year, but I found out what his pain points were, <laughs> right? And I knew that there were certain things that he wanted um, uh, to make that kind of money. He had to drive and, you know, to do certain things and that he didn't want to do it. Took time away from his family. And I said, I'll tell you what I can do. I can't pay you that money, but I can give you performance-based, and I can honor these two things around, you know, the quality of life you want to live. And it worked, right? So I went up, I've got him, and I got the two um, uh, recently graduated college kids, and uh, and hit the ground running. You know, they 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 we all kind of groomed each other. You know, we all kind of we all kind of you know uh, there was no coach out there, do, you know, coaching on how to do this at the time. So we had to find other people that was that that, that we looked up to and take what they do and then adapt it to our business model because it's definitely a unique model doing dig digital, right? And so I basically just formed those relationships and, um, um, and, and you know, died on the hill with the vision. So this is, this is, by the way, why a vision and a purpose other than money or profit is such a big deal. You know, people feel that. People, you know, people feel it. They know. So, so let's dive into the, the agency sales system. Because uh, this is what you help people now create and enable them to run businesses or run their sales process a bit more, uh, well, with a bit more automation, let's say. So yeah. what what is an agency sales system and how does it work? Well, uh, when I came into the coaching space, we had a good system at my agency. And, and I have to admit, I was, again, back to the naivety part, but um, I thought that most agencies would have a, you know, a good a good sales and marketing system in for themselves. And uh, that's not the case. It's not because they don't know how uh, some don't know how, but and some do it's because that cobbler's daughter, right? You know, they don't have time to make their own shoes for, for their, for their kids because they're too busy making them for their paying clients. So websites, things like that, they have time to do that for other people, but not so much for themselves. And so what I did for the first two and a half years of running my coaching business is I just kind of watched. And remember, keep in mind, now I built, you know, one of the world's largest and one of the most advanced marketing automation companies out there. So all I did was look at the pain points of, of what everybody needed, like really needed from to get more leads and, and to close more deals without it consuming all of their time. And I applied that to my, you know, at that what, 18 forever, I'm dating myself here, but, you know, what, 15 years of marketing automation experience. And so this is kind of, in essence, what it does. <clears throat> One, there are four pillars to it. The first one is what's called lead magnet, 
and lead source diversification. Okay. You have to have the ability to be able to create lead magnets really quickly and test them out. A lot of people make the mistake of trying to put their lead magnets out there. Perfect. They'll spend a month or two or three or whatever it might be. They go to market and it flops. Dang, why didn't everybody like it, right? Well, truth is, the market doesn't really care what you think is perfect. And by the way, perfect is a perception that you own. Nobody else sees perfection the way you do. It's an individual thing. So if you're striving for perfection 99% of the time, you're striving to make yourself happy, not your clients. That's just that's just the facts. That's the way it works. And so what you have to do is you have to isolate the pain points of your target audience and throw lead magnets out very quickly. Okay, so you got to be able to create lead magnets very, very quickly and test those out very quickly. When you do that, it allows you to hit multiple pain points at one time. So now, by default, instead of having just a schedule now or a free consult button, you have five uh, pain point lead magnets plus the schedule now, the, the free consult. Literally, and probably 90% of the people who implement my sales system, their leads double or triple the day that they put, put all the lead makes and everything up on their website. <clears throat> That's pillar one. Now, pillar two is the ability to manage the call to actions on your website quickly and aggressively. So exit pop-ups, sliders, footers, ribbons, all of that page takeover, scroll takeovers, things like that, right? And split testing, because we all know the name of the game to conversions, right? Just testing, right? And so there are lead management systems out there now that that uh, lead and call to action management systems, lead management systems that, that are WordPress plugins. I use Thrive. Uh, there are a bunch of them out there um, that allow you to not only get these lead magnets done quickly, but deploy them in matter of seconds instead of hours or having even having to get a technical team in place. So now your marketing and advertising department is very agile. They don't have to have any technical skills. They don't have to wait on anybody to do it. They themselves can go in there and clone it, throw it out, try it on another page, didn't work, take it down. All of that is in-house. I'm sorry, in just strictly in the marketing uh, marketing department, marketing advertising department. So now you can create lead magnets really quickly. You can manage those on your website with split testing very quickly. And then that gets to phase three. I'm sorry, pillar three. So now that you're harvesting more of these leads, you got to be able to prospect vet because you're getting a lot of tire kickers now. We can't waste our time with tire kickers. So you have to have an advanced prospect vetting process. We do this quizzes, phone numbers, scheduling, things like that. When the prospect is vetted to the point that is worthy of your time, we, the, the system automatically knows. We have a what's called a trust gap kind of metric. And we once we get to a certain level in the trust gap, that tells us that they're a buying unit or they're going to be making a purchase on something within the next 90 days. From there, we create a deal or an opportunity in your CRM. It kicks off all the automation. It eliminates follow-up failure. And so every single time a lead comes into your basket, guaranteed it's going to be followed up with 60 days. And if they're a hot buyer, it'll bubble up and it'll notify you automatically, call them or schedule them or do whatever. And then the fourth one, uh, pillar number four, is tracking and measuring success with your KPIs. And we have what's called a real-time KPI dashboard. That is a game changer. It is badass. It's awesome. Uh, you literally can, can track down to the individual ad in Facebook and lead source tracking, uh, whether it be Google, LinkedIn, organic, PPC, you name it. And the reason that's such a big deal is because, well, I think everybody understands the value of KPIs, but you have to know what's working, what's not working, where your money's coming from. Um, best example uh, in a... And what this ultimately is, is what's called a close the loop sales system. 
And what that means is that from the point of contact until the time you take money and actually get a referral from that person, it all can associate the, the revenue back to the actual lead source where in the lead magnet, where it came from. So now you know where to spend your money. So you're getting more leads, you're converting more leads, you're eliminating the follow-up failure, you're only talking to the hot buyers, and you're eliminating the lead sources that are sucking money. You, it's not a get-rich-quick thing. This is a system. This is a process that once you get it in place, it just keeps building and building and building and building and building and building. So once you get that in place, you can easily eliminate the lead magnets and the lead sources that are costing you money and wasting time. You do that over a year or two, you're going to end up with four or five lead sources and four or five lead magnets that are A-plus rock stars. You can dial up traffic, dial it back down. So you can now are in 100% control of your sales as an agency. Nice. And so obviously this works. This is kind of inbound, um, based on inbound marketing uh, or, or based on lead generation. So how are you... I understand the idea of creating these lead magnets and then optimizing those. Um, but it, you, I mean, and you touched on, you know, adjusting the dials with Facebook ads or something else, but how is, is that how you are generating traffic to the website in order to test these lead magnets in the first place? How are you, um, yeah, how are you driving traffic to test them out? Well, it, um, I'm big in niching out. And so that really, really is determined by what niche you're in. Okay. Um, but to, the, the obvious answer is going to be Facebook, Google, Instagram, LinkedIn. Okay. And so, yes, you're uh, uh, doing some paid traffic over there. Now, my preferred source of traffic will be what's called referral partner marketing. And if you're in a niche, okay, then it's very easy to find other people who are servicing that same niche without having competitive overlap. <clears throat> uh, golf clubs, you know, there are a ton of people out there that sell lawnmowers to golf clubs, right? Or fertilizer or food or whatever it might be. There are vendors out there that service your target audience. Get to know them. Offer to do webinars. Offer to do blogs. Pay for sponsorships. Pay for advertisements. What you're going to find out is it does a couple of things. One, it lowers your customer acquisition costs because you're only marketing to people who are your target audience. And typically, it's a lot cheaper to go straight to the source than it is to go to Facebook, Google, and other platforms. Two, you can now say, as seen on, uh, you know, whatever. I, this is also building your positioning elements because you're in front of these large associations or public publications, magazines, you know, conferences, whatever it might be. So again, back on that sales system, you, you, you go out there, you line up referral partners, one or two a month, and you go through that process for six months, eight months, nine months, 10 months, whatever it might be. And the next thing you know, just like the lead source and the lead magnets, you now have uh, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, whichever one is converting for you. You have four or five referral partners, okay? And then of course you can do your live events and things like that. So now you've got three traffic proven traffic sources that, again, you can just dial up and dial back down as you see fit. So this all, I mean, this system seems um, like, like pretty logical, like it makes sense. But how, when, when this falls apart, why does it fall apart? When this fails, why does it fail? What, what do you see people getting wrong when they try to develop a sales system like this? Where do, where do things typically go wrong and, and why is that? Typically, they're trying to pull from different systems. So they'll hear in my Facebook group do this, and they'll hear in that Facebook group go do that. They'll read this on somebody's blog, and they're kind of hodgepodging it, right? 
Well, that is never, almost hardly ever going to work because, well, this system is built to, to hand the ball off to the next Lego and the next Lego and the next Lego. And so when you pull this Lego out of this system and this Lego out of this system, they don't, they don't match, right? So uh, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes is that people are trying to kind of, you know, duct tape this thing. And whenever you're putting in, you know, whenever you're trying to put in a system like this, you have to look, it's, you know, you have to look at it holistically from beginning to end. Okay, you can't have fall off. That that is what that's what what's called follow up failure, and you have to eliminate that aggressively. So they get the lead magnet. It hands the ball off to the prospect betting. The prospect betting, if they pass, do their actions. Hands the ball off to uh, you know a deal or automation, and then it hands the ball off to the you know it is logically hands the ball off. But if you don't have a comprehensive system with all that mapped out and it logically thought through, okay then you will have major uh, what's called follow-up failure. And then, of course, at that point, complacency. And um, uh, uh, people are like, oh, man, it's not working. Or, you know, there's many different reasons why people kind of uh, kind of start to give up on things, right? Um, uh, and so people kind of start to give up on things. And so I would caution you against that. I would caution you to get a full system in place. Uh, and by the way, one of the, in my opinion, one of the, all best things about my cell system is the fact that it only requires two touch points by humans, by, by the agency owners. <clears throat> One, that's actually making the phone calls and getting in the call in, in, in the sales calls whenever the prospect raises their hand and through their actions show you that they're buying unit. Two, manually tracking the revenue. So you can go in there and say, I took the money via PayPal somewhere else and putting it in the CRM so that way it gets all the KPIs throughout. I did that on purpose because I know that agency owners are super busy, and if they got to do fifty things every time they get a lead or try to make a sale, it will not. It won't. It won't, won't happen. It just. It just won't happen. So I built it in a way that automation takes care of everything, but leaves the perfect amount of the personal touch, the rapport building phase, the consultative, the stuff that we all love out there talking to other business owners, and then the KPIs, and it just kind of wraps it all up with a bow. Nice. And so, how do you see? How do you see your sales system evolving? Like, what's the future? Obviously, there's new technology coming out all the time. Um, buying habits are changing. Uh, the way that people you know, engage with service providers is also evolving as well. So how do you see the sales system evolving and also your, I guess, process evolving, your system evolving over the next few years? Um, we are working on that right now. Um, uh, one of the beauties of having a product is we're uh, what's, in, what's in called the, um, we're optimizing the deliverable of this. So we're going to get it down get the price down low. We're going to try to work very hard on getting the price down as low as we possibly can because we want it to be very affordable for everyone. And we're going to optimize the deliverables so we can kind of over, really over-deliver on value. Now, the next steps are we are putting very advanced um, lead source tracking in there. That's going to be in there for sure. Uh, and I, 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 for, honestly, right now for the next year, we're working on just making sure that we deliver it perfect every single time and just kind of get, just really nailing it down, right? Uh, and then we're going to start adding a little more advanced features and stuff down the road. Uh, we are right now offering a done-for-you version and then a live workshop, like where I do a four-day workshop on this. And so the four-day workshop is where I'm working with you, but you physically go do all the work. The done-for-you is you just hire us, we knock it out for you. And then we're doing a digital version of the workshop where it's just you buy it and you knock it out. So that's kind of the evolution of it. We don't have major um, uh, major plans to add a whole lot more other than uh, the advanced tracking on the front end so we get better KPIs at this point. So we're just going to work on making it the best we can for what we got. So Nice. 
Well, Lee, it sounds like you've got a, a really cool system set up. And I think what's refreshing about it is rethinking the way that we engage with potential um, clients and stakeholders and yeah, it, putting automation in there so that actually we don't have to spend all our time responding to RFPs and let the leads come to you, filter through them and um, and use automation to, <laughs> to give yourself less work, which is something that we all want a whole lot less stress. So Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And I'd love to know what you guys think who are listening, watching today. Uh, tell me about your sales process. Uh, let us know in the comments. Um, join the discussion in the forum as well. But if you want to learn more and get ahead in creating a better system, uh, check out uh, Lee's site. We'll put the link in the show notes. And also head to our members section as well, the digital project manager forward slash membership, where you'll find hundreds of digital PMs, people who are delivering projects in a digital world, having discussions about things like this, working out better ways to deliver projects, manage their teams and stakeholders. But until next time, thanks so much for listening.